Welcome to the Port on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, not filtered, not watered down, a pure, sure word. And we follow the example of the book of Acts Church, Porch Online Bible Study, was created so that we could reach out to all of you that desire to be a part of the remnant, to be a part of the change, to be a part of the world-shaking influence the early church had. And I believe we've been obtaining that. Many of you have been with us since the beginning, or you've some of you have come along the way, but you have all been clear about one thing. You know that there's more. You're tired of religion, and that's why you're here. So welcome. Welcome to all our listeners on Spreaker, uh, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes. And pretty soon it won't be called iTunes. It'll be Apple Podcast, I think it is. Uh, I'll get that right. So welcome. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site as your main site. Probably by the end of the year, I will finally close out the Blog Talk Radio site. Most of you have migrated over or you're listening to us on one of the sources of streaming and the numbers there have gone down to the point that it really doesn't pay to have the site. So subscribe, keep up to date. The newsla- newsletter excuse me, went out this week. If you did not receive it, check your spam folder. And if you're not on the list, let us know and we'll send it to you and add you to the mailing list. Just go to firefalltalkradio.com on solomonsport.org and just let us know, hey, I didn't get it or I would like to be on your mailing list. Four weeks away, folks, four weeks away from our meeting in Orlando. Right about this time in four weeks, many of you will be rolling in to Orlando, booking you if you're coming in, staying over, you're, you're in your room by now, getting excited, getting prepared. It's going to be a good day. Come in on Friday, play, do whatever you want to do. If you rent a room at the Rosen Inn Point Orlando, which is the hotel we're having the meeting at, which would make sense for you to book a room there. We got a great rate, $79 a night plus tax. This is on International Drive, right in the middle of everything. You're within walking distance of things if you don't have a car. Uh, theme parks are nearby, Universal, SeaWorld. There's lots of things to do. But on Saturday, the 27th, from 2 to 5, and then from 7 to 10, you're going to want to be in the Magnolia Room with us. If you're going to book a room, July 5th is cutoff date for that rate. After that, it's based on availability, and I doubt you will get it. That rate will double or triple. If you want more information or you want to sign up and say, hey, we're going to be there, save us a couple of seats, save us two seats, three seats, a seat and a half. That's for the person that's on the diet. Um FirefallMediaGroup.com, Facebook.com, Firefall forward slash Firefall Media Group, or just email us, FirefallMediaGroup at gmail.com. Put in the subject matter of the C Conference and let us know to save your seat. Praying that everyone who's supposed to be there is there. I cannot tell you exactly what the Lord is going to do. I know what I'm going to be teaching on, but I know the Holy Spirit tends to have his way. And I'm believing that there's going to be some fire fall in this event. So let's begin. Praise reports, prayer requests. Well, I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, for my sons, daughter-in-laws, and of course our little son, grandson, JJ, who's a little under the weather. He's got a cold, so if you want to pray for JJ, you can. Um, our furry kids and all of our possessions. I am thankful. I pray, praise him for his protection over all of us, over this ministry, for the revelation, the dreams, and the visions, the things he's been sharing with me, um, for his healing virtues, which are still available to us. I praise him for the Holy Spirit-inspired praise that's been coming out lately, and not just of me, of other people. That spirit of intercession, that spirit of praise has been rising up. We are a new creation, so we should be different. And we're living in prophetic times. We're living in a land that still allows us to be who we are without restrictions or recriminations. So I praise him for that. I praise him for the signs he's getting ready to come back. If you're not paying attention, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for a year. 
Others are saying it. We're about to go through some trying times, some tribulation. But it is the indication that he's getting ready to come get us. So I praise him for that. Get ready. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him for his favor. Praise him for his love. Now let's pray. Let's pray for the Middle East. Let's pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. A lot of things going on behind the scenes, a lot of wheeling and dealing, and we know Hasatan's hand isn't a lot of it, but we know he can only do what the Father allows him to do. So I pray that they would know who their Messiah is. So when the time of Jacob's trouble comes upon them, they'll be in a safe place. Pray for the fatherless and the widows and the innocents, the victims of injustice in and out of the womb. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, being attacked. We see it here in America. You can't speak out. You can't be who you're supposed to be. Well, I am who I am. I guess that's me and Popeye. I am who I am, and and that's all that I am. And I'm just going to be who I am, spirit-filled, born again, Son of the King. But I'm also praying for others to become like that as well and for the victims of this world. You know, lately I've told you one of my prayer points has been against uh, sex trafficking and those that have been victimized and taken advantage of by the enemy. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and in all of you. We're getting back to our divine design. I believe that we are. I believe he's changing us and healing us. If you're sick right now, stop it. Stop claiming it. Stop speaking it. I get it. I understand how you feel. Feelings are not a proper barometer of the truth. Begin to speak the word. Begin to praise him for healing you. Begin to thank him for that healing. I pray for protection, that Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of us. Inspiration. Let's get inspired. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to get some of you to wake up. And, I'm, and I know I'm talking to people that are awake. But I mean really wake up. Rise up. Answer the call to action. And for those that have been blessed to be a blessing, there are some of you who have been a tremendous blessing to me and to my team, SRT, and to Firefall and to the porch. But there's so many others that have crossed our paths that could have been and that haven't been and were supposed to be. So let's do it. Let's crack it open. Let's the flow of blessings come, pressed down, shaken together, running over onto our bosom so that we got to hold up our aprons or our shirts to catch it all. Now we can go out and do what we've been called to do, shake the world one last time, set the captives free, engage the enemy. Continue to pray for my wife's healing and restoration and uh, the unspoken prayer request regarding a legal matter that we have. Nick in Dallas hasn't been around in a while. He finally came back and said the reason he hasn't been around is he's struggling with his old nature. So he needs prayers for deliverance. And victory. Stacy in Texas, she has an, always has an. I'm going to offer it. She didn't say it. An unspoken prayer request for her and her family. They're going through some stuff, so just intercede for them. And Kim in Fort Mitchell, she always shows up with the right prayer request, the right honesty and transparency. She said, hope all is well, Richard. I'm doing okay. No, you're doing better than okay, Kim. You are born again. You are saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. She says, I remember a time in my life when all I wanted to be was where I am now. I forget how bad it was sometimes. Don't we all? I praise him for healing my broken heart and for choosing me to shine his light. Not all of us make it. Not all of us endure to the end. I praise him for keeping me humble. I praise him for my salvation, keeping me sober. I praise him for my children, everything he provides for us. I said, Father, I have a prayer request my oldest daughter, Tiana. She needs your healing. Please pray with me for that. Deliver my children, Father. I I know I mostly say the same prayer request every week. I actually pray this every day, twice. Keep, be persistent. Come on. Be persistent. There's some people that will tell you, well, just pray once, God has done it. Well, the persistent widow, that's not the parable the Lord told. The parable he told was about the persistent widow. 
who kept badgering the king and kept coming back and kept asking and kept knocking. Keep knocking, keep praying, and do it in faith. I almost ran off there. Um, I'm back. She said, the enemy can't have my children, and as long as I breathe, I will pray to deliver and protect them. Heal our brokenness, our hearts, spirits, and our bodies. Clear our minds. Give us a fresh focus on you and only you. Bless and protect the porch families, my friend Stacy and her children. Deliver my son Maurice and take over, Father. Save my husband's soul as well as my mother's. Provide for my family. Favor us and bless us in Jesus' name. Let me just throw this out there. This is not on the paper, and I'm really all over the place tonight. I'm just freestyling, as we used to call it. If you come to this event, two sessions, two to five, seven to ten. Two to five is going to be mostly teaching. Seven to ten is going to be some teaching, of course, some um, revelation, things the Lord shared with me regarding what we're talking about, but there's going to be time for prayer. There's going to be time, and there's going to be people there that can help me pray so that we won't be there all night, everybody waiting for me to pray for them. If you're coming with your families, if you're coming with somebody, um, if you're going to be there and you want to be prayed for, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And uh, some of the people that have been in some of my other meetings can tell you that the Lord shows up and some amazing things happen. So, Father, we're expecting you to show up. We're expecting you to bridge the throne room to the meeting room. To just bring it down and make the two coexist. We're praying that the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to fill that room. It's going to go out from all of us that burn, and you're going to drop some new fresh fire. We're praying for angelic presence, Lord, and that people can see them and know that they're there. Lord, we're just praying for you and more of you to be in our life, more of you to be in our our families and, and everything that we do, Lord, more of you. We need you. We are desperate for you. We are desperate for what the Book of Acts Church had. They had the fullness of the fire. They had the fullness of the love. They had the passion. They had the faith that everything they needed to shake the world. They weren't well educated. They couldn't they they couldn't quote scripture at the drop of the hat. They they knew it. It was in them by the Spirit itself. They didn't have a Bible. They had letters and they had the uh, the Old Testament. But they had you And you spoke through them. That's what we desire. That in the darkness your light would shine. In the pain your healing virtues would flow. That in our confusion and our brain, spiritual brain fog, your Holy Spirit would come to us and walk us through it. We love you, Lord. We just love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, our strength, and everything that is in us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the upper room. We thank you that we're going to see you again, and it's going to be soon. You're getting ready. The horses are stirring. The angels are strapping on their armor. The saints that are there that are waiting to come back, they're stirred up. They're prayed up. Their incense has filled the bowls in the throne room, and it has risen up. So, Lord, before that, help us to get ready. Help us to pray for our families. Help us to lead them and guide them into salvation. Help us to be all that you have called us and designed us to be. And at the sound of the shofar, which starts every teaching session, I pray that chains would fall, prison doors would fly open, anxiety would go, fear would go, bondages would fall, minds would be clear. Hearts would be healed. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the victory in Yeshua's name. Amen.
lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Boy, oh boy, I'm I'm got up dial back a little bit. Or not. We'll see. We've we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about walking in the spirit, and they're really both one and the same thing. And the enemy knows what we've been talking about. I've talked to a number of people that I either pray with or that listen to the porch, and all of a sudden the enemy's doing things, creating chaos, creating confusion, breaking things, doing anything he can. And I say he is a collective he. I know it's not one entity. Yes, Hasatan, yes, Satan, yes, the adversary is the top of the food chain, but he's got his eyes and his, his spirit set on one thing. He's got soldiers out there doing what they're doing to us. So he knows what we're trying to do. He knows what we're working on. He knows what we're planning. And I really don't care that he knows, but the warfare that comes with it can get a little tiring at times. So the enemy knows that if he can keep the fullness of the Holy Spirit and what we've been talking about in his presence from us, then the manifestation of the gifts and of the fruit won't be present. Well, the church itself will be just dead and dying, deteriorating, decomposing, a zombie church, which is what in many places and in many cases it is right now. And if they're not a zombie church, what they are is a nutritionally deficient church in that what they feed on, the word they eat, the bread they eat, the fruit that they consume has got no value or virtue to it. And that's exactly what he wants. But see, the Lord sent his Holy Spirit from the throne room that proceeds, emanates from the Father to bring life. See, the Spirit brings life, but the enemy, he wants death. The spirit, spirit brings light, and the enemy wants darkness. Spirit brings love, and all the enemy wants is hatred, and he's doing a real good job at that. Spirit brings compassion, but the enemy wants cold-heartedness. Spirit brings change, but the enemy wants stagnation. He doesn't want free-flowing water. He wants smelly, stinky, stagnant water. Yes, I said smelly and stinky. Spirit brings light, love, life, compassion, change. Well, guess what? That's the kingdom of God. That's the delivery mechanism. That That's the product we're supposed to be delivering through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the other thing the kingdom of God brings is conviction and correction. And that's one thing the enemy and the false church doesn't want. So my word, if this becomes a word instead of a teaching, is we are called to enter into an abiding kingdom that's been planned since he said, let there be light. See, that's the kickoff point. That's where we're going to start on Saturday, the 27th here in Orlando of July. It came out backward Saturday, the 27th of July here in Orlando. Let there be light. It all starts from there. There was darkness. There was chaos. There was all these things. But it was light. It was the emanation of him. It was the sound of his voice. And once that happened, we were off to the races, and we know some of the prior stuff that happened. But but the fact is, here we are. We have been called to enter into the kingdom of God, the abiding kingdom of God. And, you know, sometimes I like to play with titles. They have double meaning, meanings. Well, the abiding kingdom of God is a kingdom that lives on and lives in us, but we also must abide in that kingdom. We must live in that kingdom. That's a choice. Lately, a lot of people have been reaching out for either deliverance of prayer or hope that I can do something for them, either in meeting with me or in long distance. But here's the catch. Until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I mean really 
just downright sick and tired of what the enemy's doing to you, about what's going on in your life, about the things that are going on around you, until you're ready to stop blaming the enemy and stop blaming God and stop blaming the world and take responsibility for yourself to to understand that in the Word, it's all there. The freedom was given to you on Calvary. The blood, the cross, the resurrection reinforced it. The Holy Spirit reminds us of it. But we have to walk in it. But if we're going to enter into it, we can't look back. And and when I hit on this a couple of weeks ago about no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God, Luke 9.62, it has continued to resonate inside of me over 30 years of ministry of being saved. How many people I've met along the way that look back? How many times I've been tempted to look back, not to my old nature. I don't want to go back there. I've been reminded of it. The enemy does his best. But we look back. We look back to our mistakes. We look back to where we came from. Oh, gee, wouldn't it be nice to have that again? Hey, you remember when we went here and the praise and worship was really great and everything was that? You know what? Those memories are wonderful. We can't look back. We can't recreate those moments. The Holy Spirit is spontaneous. He's going to do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. We don't know where he's come from. We don't know where he's going. We don't know what he's going to do. But if I'm in charge, my rule is, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do. But what Yeshua was talking about, if you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, you can't be like the bad farmer who has the the oxen attached to the plow. And with the left hand, he guides the plow, and with the right hand, he guides the oxen, but he's looking back behind him. Now, I don't know what he's looking for. Maybe he's checking to see if they were straight. Maybe he's looking for his sons because he needs a water break. I really don't know in the parable what he means about that, but what I mean, you've got to keep your eye on it. You know, that's the one thing. Maybe it's because I'm such a type A personality. Lord says, go do this. I'm I'm like that dog. Yep, I want to go do it, and I latch my teeth onto it, and I don't want to let go. Since the day I got saved, he said, here's what I want you to do, and that's what I've been locked on to, and it's been a long ride, a long struggle, but I'm locked on. But every now and then, the enemy tricks you into looking back. You know, if you had taken that deal, if you had said yes to this person, if you had not been so dogmatic about your beliefs and just compromised a little to get along. You might be further along. And I rebuke that thought from the enemy. Compromise is not of God. So you can't look back. You gotta serve him. You gotta walk in it and you gotta walk forward. Where are you going? Where are you going in your life? Where are you going in your relationship with him? We're gonna serve him And we're going to do it the way the book of Acts Church did. Yes, they had problems. Yes, they had conflicts. Yes, they had personality issues between people. But the fact was they had an eye on the job and an eye on the sky. And what kept them going was the eye on the sky. They knew he was coming back and they wanted to be ready. Forsaking everything they pressed on. It wasn't easy, but they were in it together. Acts 14.22 tells me, that they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Where are you right now? Not geographically, but where are you? Are you inside the gates or are you outside the gates? Are you listening to me and looking at me and saying, wow, I'd like to be where Richard is? No, you should want to be further. You should want to be further along. Where are you right now in the kingdom of God? Where are you in your walk? Are you really committed to it? Or are you caught up in all the trappings of the world? Well, you know, I'd like to have a nice building. and I'd, You know, I think if I have a ministry, I'm going to put my name on Stop. Just stop. Let's just do what he called us to do. Let's stop all this foolishness. Let's stop the building of, of human kingdoms and, and the building of names. Unless you can hang on the cross, bleed every drop of blood, die, rise from the dead, Sit at the right hand of the Father. You're not all that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for the worship of men. I don't have time for the following and the adulation that goes with it. We have a job to do. 
And to do it, we have to continue in the faith. We've got to continue in the word. We've got to continue in his love for him and for each other and for the lost and dying world, his grace and his goodness. We have to continue in prayer. And we have to continue in sound doctrine. For whatever reason right now, this is what the Lord has me on, Second Timothy 4, starting with verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God, in Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Yeah, yes, I know he's speaking to Timothy, and Timothy's the, Timothy's the head of a church, and Paul put him there, but in many ways he's speaking to all of us. Preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. That means be ready all the time. Be instant, meaning have an instant word. Know enough of the word that you can say what needs to be said. But study the word. Open your Bibles. Do whatever, however you read, whether through the apps or whatever. Open it up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to get the word inside of you. And you have to be willing in love to correct. I see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. John sixteen eight, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Everybody wants the Spirit. They want the gifts. They want the show. They want the smoke and mirrors. But they don't want correction. They don't want to hear that they're out of order. They don't want to hear about the sexual immorality and the leadership or the financial shenanigans going on behind closed doors. Nope, they don't want to hear about that. And they don't want to talk about it from the pulpit. They don't want to bring a convicting word. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to talk about sin. And that's why it's left for the remnant to do it. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. But the Lord warned us in John 3.20, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. One of the key scriptures for SRT from day one has been Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Because Ephesians 5.13, all things are exposed because they're made manifest by the light, meaning they're brought out into the open, they're manifested, you can see them by the light. Are we a light to the world? I would say for the most part we're not. You know why? Because there's so much darkness. There's so much evil. There's so much sin. There's so much debauchery. And yes, we've been put aside, pushed aside. We've been told to shut up. They've created laws to keep us from speaking. But you know what? All over the world and even some places here in America, people are risking it all to tell the truth and to tell it in love. I saw a posting today. I'm going to get in trouble here. So be prepared if you don't hear from me again. This will be why. Saw a posting today about a um, ins- inspirational song being sung at a church service, and on the wall behind them was a giant heart with a rainbow for Pride Month. I'm sorry. I know of one rainbow in the Bible, and it was God's covenant promise not to destroy the world again with water. I don't accept any other logo or image or any other representation of the rainbow. And I think we are called to love everyone, especially those caught up in bondage and sin. 
but I do not believe we are called to promote it, to accept it, or to be... What's the word I'm looking here that I can really not get myself in trouble with? I don't think we should be watering things down when we have the antidote to it all. But you know what? If we're going to be exhorters, if we're going to be encouragers, then we have to be willing to be chastised. You see, the Lord loves and rebukes and chastens his children, which means we should be zealous and repent. That's paraphrase of Revelation 3.19, Hebrews 12.5, And as you've forgotten the exhortation, which speaks to you as sons, my sons do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So in his love, he chastises his children. But why? Why does God need to chastise us? Well, in this abiding kingdom... If you refuse to listen to his word and to his Holy Spirit, guess what? There are consequences. If you continue to abide in sin and ignore the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit, he will chastise you. The people that provoke God by their behavior and sin, well, see one and two, he's going to chastise you. Um, If they become more like the world and no longer see their behavior as sin, well, then it's one, two, and three. If you refuse to listen, you refuse to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, he's going to chastise you. If you sow to the flesh, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. He's going to chastise you. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, he will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What seeds are we planting every day in what we view and what we do and how we act? And we're all guilty of it. We all have issues that rise up again, and then, but you have to repent. You can't continue to water that seed and water that feeling and water that emotion. That's what Satan does. He gets you caught in an emotional trap, in this emotional merry-go-round. And all you focus on is the circular ride that you're on. Instead of saying, stop, I'm getting off. And then they force his hand. They force him to correct him. I have a story. I've, I've never told it on here. But my family knows it. Um... I think I was about four or five years old. And my mother walked into my room and my my jeans were on the floor. And she told me to pick them up. And I said, no. And she said, young man, you pick up those pants. And I walked over and I picked up those pants. I held them up for her to see and I dropped them. Yeah, my butt got chastised. But that's the, you know what? I forced her hand to do that. We do that all the time with God. Whether you want to admit it or not, we do it. And we have to be willing to call out our brothers and sisters in love. That word rebuke means to find fault with. And I know people say, well, we're not called to judge. Judge not lest you be judged. Judge, that's a judicial act of judgment. That's me saying to you, what you're doing, you're going to hell. No, I'm supposed to judge if fruit is rotten. I'm supposed to judge if material is torn. I'm supposed to judge if what comes out of your mouth doesn't line up with the word. And I'm supposed to love you enough to say to you, brother or sister, that doesn't line up with the word. Let me show you. I'm supposed to love you enough to pray for you that your eyes be open and your ears would hear and that your heart would be softened. But that word rebuke, it's a very powerful word. Matthew eight twenty six. he's, you know, the, they're afraid. And he says, why are you fa- fearful, O little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. In the Mark 4.39 version was peace, be still, which literally, literally, easy for me to say, in the Aramaic was 
peace be still, muzzle yourself. And he was speaking to the demonic spirits because the Sea of Galilee was known to be haunted or have a paranormal nature to it. And there was great calm. Maybe sometimes in our life, we've got to look at what we're doing and say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that thought. I rebuke that feeling. I rebuke that. Maybe ask the Lord from heaven, Lord, rebuke this. Rebuke this bondage. When Peter's mother-in-law was sick, Yeshua stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served him. He's the one who spoke everything into existence. He had control over her DNA. He had control over her body. And he told that fever, stop. Leave her be. Where's the faith to do that? But red letter basics. Here it is. Luke seventeen three. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. The Amplified is pay attention and always be on your guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins, misses the mark, solemnly tell him so and reprove him. And if he repents, if he feels sorry for having sinned, forgive him. And even if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, I'm sorry, you must forgive him. You must give up the resentment and consider the offense as recalled and annulled. But we must do this with long-suffering and teachings. It's got to be balanced in the Word. has to be balanced by the Word. Romans 15, 5 and 6, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Messiah Yeshua, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We need to encourage one another and be patient with them. You know, when people are in bondage or they're hurting or they've messed up, they they don't need to be kicked while they're down. They don't need an I told you so. You know what they need? They need you to see them with the Lord's eyes. Endure with them. That's what being long-suffering is. And be steadfast in your concern and compassion for them. Basically, manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And against those who are Messiahs, who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't get frustrating when you have brothers and sisters that have a besetting sin and they do the same thing over and over. And you want to get frustrated. You want to lash out. You want to give it to that pain and that frustration. And you may do that. I've been there. Sometimes I get really frustrated. That's it. I'm done. And then I hear the Lord say, well, I'm not, so therefore neither are you. And I forgive them, and I take them back into the fold, or I continue walking with them. And I've had people ask me, why are you walking with so-and-so? Why is he or she still a part of what you do? Lord's not done with them. And if he's not done with them, neither am I. But we need to be watchful. Remember what I said, one eye on the job, one eye on the sky. First Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. First Peter 5, 8 and 9, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Didn't say run. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your believing brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. This adversary, this opponent, as in a lawsuit, this, this evil kingdom of darkness, because again, it's not just Satan. It's fallen angel, it's their demonic offspring, the powers and the principalities and all that. 
Stand firm, but understand you're in a battle. But that word adversary comes up, Matthew 5, 25. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, lest the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. That doesn't apply to the adversary we're talking about. But the persistent widow in Luke 18.3 who said to the king, get justice for me from my adversary, that does apply. Because if you don't know it by now, Satan and his angels and their demons are constantly pointing out your sins and your mistakes, constantly looking for legal authority to attack you and to do what they do. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. And he was kicked out of heaven. He was kicked out of the throne room. He was fired from his job, but he still had access by the heavenlies, I believe. I don't believe he walked in the throne room, but I believe he had access from a distance to petition, to accuse, to shout, to rail. But there's going to come a point that when the restraining church is gone, he and his angels are going to be kicked out of the heavenlies completely. They're no longer going to have access to the atmospheric realms. They're going to be terrestrial. They're going to be on earth. And oh boy, the earth is in trouble then. I just gave you the storybook version of Revelation 12, 7 through 12. Michael and his angels fought, kicked him out. Tribulation has begun. If you want to be here through the tribulation period, you can. But I'm going to tell you, you don't want to be. You're going to want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to want to be with the Lord. You're going to want to meet him in the air. The time of Jacob's trouble is not for the church. But when Satan and his angels get cast down to earth, they know that their time is short. And they're going to get busy. They're going to be committed to the job. And then their brothers are coming up out of the pit. And some of their children are coming with them. And the whole earth is covered once again like in the days of Noah with evil in its tangible physical form. So right now, here and now, before that moment, we're going through our own personal tribulations. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. We live in a fallen world. But you better be going through it in prayer and in praise, and in confidence that he is going to do what's best for you. It may not be what you want him to do, but he's going to do what's best for you. So be alert. Be on guard. You don't want to be torn apart and gulped down by the schemes and the wiles and the attack of the enemy. We need to be sober, awake, Discerning the times and his return. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. First Thessalonians 5, 6. I mean, that's kind of what Peter was talking about in First Peter 1, starting verse 13. Brace up your minds, be sober, circumspect, morally alert. Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace, the divine favor that is coming to you when... Yeshua, the Messiah, is revealed. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you didn't know better and didn't know the requirements of the gospel. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. Right? Here's what, here's what I'm going to give you an assignment. And I never asked for proof that you did it. This is on you. I used to have a teacher that drove me crazy. This is your assignment. I'll know if you did it by things that are coming up. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at yourself right now. I want you to take stock of your life and your behavior. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. And I want you to see are there any parts of your life that you've allowed the enemy to conform you back to the world and to your old nature. And if there are, 
Ask the Lord why. Ask the Holy Spirit why. Take stock of your life. Because when things pop off in the days ahead, there won't be time for that. I'm just going to tell you right now. Wherever you are spiritually in your walk with him, when things, the spiritual stuff hits the fan, is where you will be. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, Paul told us that in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. They were going through the same thing we are. We're just closer to the time of his coming. Endure the inflictions. Endure the adversity, the calamity, the grief, and the sorrow. Stop saying, I can't do this. Oh, woe is me. This is the end. Oh. You know, you throw your hand up to your head and you get very dramatic. Oh. Don't do that. If you were doing it. Don't do it. What you need to do is say, all right, I messed up. Here's where I am. There's where I need to be. Holy Spirit, help me get there. Because his anger is just for a moment. That chastising is just for a moment. But his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If you're struggling right now, take Psalm 30, verse 5. Put it up on things that you can see. Weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Here's another one, Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, the church today doesn't want to hear about afflictions. They don't want to hear about trials. They don't want to hear about tribulations. They want to hear they're going to have their best life now. They want to hear about the the cars and the clothes and the big homes and and all the things that this world has to offer. That's not biblical. Yes, Abraham was wealthy before God called him. We have been called to do one thing and one thing alone, not to build our own kingdom, but to build his. We've been called to preach the gospel. We've been called to go get people saved, healed, and delivered. That's our calling. And that gets me to the point of Timothy do the work of an evangelist. He was an evangelist. But you know, we all are. We've all been told to share the good news. We've all been told to share the gospel. And that's what an evangelist does. He brings or announces the good news. He preaches. And that doesn't mean get up on a stage, stand behind a pulpit, have a microphone. Preaching means telling the truth about the gospel, telling the truth about the Lord, telling somebody that there's a way out They don't have to be the way they are anymore. See, that's what the apostles did. They didn't book meeting halls. They didn't set up schedules. They showed up. Peter showed up. Philip showed up. They preached. They shared the gospel. Things happened. Yeshua brought the good news. He was the ultimate preacher of all time. But he not only preached, he demonstrated that the power of the word and the power of who he was, signs and wonders always followed his words over the forces of nature to save his disciples, to cast out a demon, to heal a, a woman who had been hemorrhaging menstrually for 12 years. He raised Jairus's daughter from the dead and so many more miracles that they didn't even put in the book. He brought the good news, the good news with words and deeds and action. I don't know what it's going to take for us to get that. Paul did the same thing. He won the obedience of the Gentiles, but he used signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit of God so that, A, he could proclaim the good news of Messiah, and B, it wouldn't be because of his prettiness of speech or intellectual observation or manipulation. Romans 15, starting verse 18, For I will dare not speak of any of those things which Messiah has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. 
in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Messiah. Tell people the good news. Tell them. Share with them your life. Share with them what he's done for you. Explain to them why you have a hope in these dark and crazy times. And see, he was told to perform his ministry. Now go do it. Just go do it. Part of that was teaching. Part of that was laying on. You know, we covered all this through the gifts and the fruit and, and all the things we've covered in the weeks before. If you haven't caught on already, every Bible study I do is built on the one before. I'm, I'm building a tapestry, if you will, of, of this message so that you can take it with you and go do something with it. See, my desire is not to sit here every Wednesday night and do this, though I love doing it. My desire is to be on the road and running and gunning with my team and preaching the gospel and shutting down the enemy and, and getting setting the captives free and, and training others to do the same and, and taking land and, and principalities for the Lord. My, my goal is to be moving and, and going into places where the enemy doesn't want people to go and to boldly walk in there as who I am in the spirit of the living God, shining that light, walking in the power the way Yeshua did. That's what an evangelist does. He encourages believers to share the good news. And I've noticed after 30 years of ministry, I've constantly evolved from one aspect of of the offices to another. And with age and maturity, those things will happen. Experience will help as well. I've learned a lot of what not to do by doing it wrong. Thankfully, I still have Pastor Shelley around to run things by him and to get his thoughts and his his insight and but we're in a learning curve until the Lord comes back. So I charge you in the presence of God and Messiah Yeshua, who is to judge the living and the dead, by in the light of his coming and his kingdom, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and be ready whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking, correcting, warning, urgency, urging with urgency and encouraging them, being unflaggingly inexhaustible, in patience and teaching. For the time will come, and probably already is, when people will not tolerate, they will not endure sound and wholesome instruction, but out of ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another uh, to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold, and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myth and man-made fiction. As for you, be calm, be cool, be steady, accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship, do the work of an evangelist, evangelist, and fully perform all the duties of his ministry that he's given you to do. That's where we are right now. That's where I'm going to stop in the teaching because there's a lot more here I want to talk about. But sound teaching, knowing the word, knowing his will. Stop telling me what somebody else says. Tell me what the word says. Get into the word. Understand it. I give a lot of word. As, as my brother Joe Citrone will say, I... I overwhelmed with information. I fry your minds. And that is not my intention. That's what Shelley did. That's the way I learned. But if I, I figure if I serve you up a massive buffet of information, you're going to glean enough that you need to glean. You can go back to the buffet for more later on. 
There's no time, folks. There's just no time. Father, you are outside of time. But in the fullness of time, we're going to see you again, Lord. And we want to be ready. We want your Holy Spirit to search us right now from top to bottom, head to toe, naturally and spiritually. And if there's anything unpure, incorrect, out of order in us, expose it and heal it and fix it. Show us in any way that we're off track. Show us every area of our life so that we can be in tune with you. Treat us like a a, a musical instrument that is out of tune and tune us so that we can resonate with you, we can sing a song of gladness, we can sing a song of victory and deliverance to this lost and dying world. We can give them a way back to you in love and compassion and patience, that we can find our brothers and sisters that have wandered from the way and lost their way. They've been fed bad food. They're staggering off in the darkness, and the wolves The enemy's looking to pounce on them. Show us where they are, Lord. Give us a word. Give us a sure word to take to them, to bring them home, to bring them back to you. But right now, we need you, Lord. We need every aspect of you naturally and spiritually. We need provision. We need encouragement. We need the rain of the Spirit to refresh us and to come down upon us. We need the fire within us to rise up, to be fed. So, Lord, reach inside and turn it up. Holy Spirit, do whatever you need to do to glow from us. Because we love you, Lord. We know you're coming back. We know it. We believe it. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are listening. I pray for my friends and my family and my loved ones that are listening and that even though they aren't, I speak it into the Spirit. Be healed. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, be healed. Be healed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Be healed from the inside out. Be healed in your mind, your soul, and your spirit. Be healed in every part of your life that's out of order and broken. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the manifestation of the gifts and of the fruit, and shine. Be a beacon of hope to those that are lost out there, those that are lost in the darkness, those that are, they they may not even know that they're lost. They've wandered away looking for better food like sheep do. We pray for them right now, Lord. We intercede for them from the predators of the enemy that are looking to destroy them and steal them. We thank you for using us to do it. We thank you for calling us to this time. We thank you for being chosen for a time such as this. And we just pray this, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our spirit, and everything that is within us in Yeshua's name. Now, if you agree with me, just simply say amen. That's where we are, folks. We're abiding in the kingdom. It's going to abide in us, and we're going to abide in it. So I pray right now that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, that the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.